So um, this is a really long passage, and I wanted for you guys to hear just kind of the flow of John as he was retelling this passage in a couple of different places in the colonnade of Solomon and also to uh, the Pharisees. But I wanted you to see how Jesus is thinking through this metaphor of him being our shepherd and us being his sheep. This comes in the context of the slide that you see behind me, this sermon series that we're called Belonging. And today, for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about membership. Memberships, uh, members who belong to Jesus, first of all, which we'll talk about today, being part of his body. And the big thinking is, if you don't belong to Christ, you don't belong to his body. Like, if you're a member of Jesus, then you're a member of his body. But if you're not, if he is not your shepherd, then you're not part of his flock, right? We'll talk about that. Uh, if you don't know the shepherd, and my, my hope is that you come to know the shepherd even better today. Next week, we'll talk about members belonging to one another. So Jesus not only gives us salvation and, and owns us as himself, but he gives us each other in such a way that he says that you are members of one another. We'll talk about that, what that means. Um, and then the next week after that, we'll talk about members belonging to the mission of Jesus. So he also sends us out to do some things to talk about him being a shepherd, him being our savior to people that don't know him. So today we're going to focus in on members of Redeemer Church or members who belong to Jesus. And I'm going to pray and then we're going to get into this metaphor that Jesus has brought out. Uh, Father, thank you for sending Jesus, for him breaking down uh, concepts so that we can understand that a sheep metaphor is something that adults can understand, it's something that little kids can understand, that you are our great shepherd, Lord Jesus, and that you lead and that you guide. In some places, you say you fill our mouths with words. That's the extent to which you shepherd us. And so I ask God that you would fill my mouth with your words as we're here this morning. I ask God that you would fill our mouths with words toward each other as we're meeting here today. I ask God that you would move this room, our great shepherd, that we would see you and we would move toward you, but it would be by your power, your love, your grace, your spirit, that you would move us to follow you. I ask God that you would help us to understand you as we're here. Lord, I, I ask that we would not be like the people that are in verse 6, that they didn't understand the metaphor. I ask God that you would help us to understand who it is that you are in your greatness as our great shepherd. I thank you for this time. Thank you for this word. And I ask God that you would release its power here among us today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So why the sheep metaphor? That was the first question that I asked when I started reading this. And I think it has to do with the fact that there are roles that Jesus is talking about. Like when we read the Bible, sometimes we get off and we're like, we're the hero of the story or somehow that we're not the one that's blind or dumb or walking around like into danger all of the time. And yet Jesus in this metaphor is saying, yeah, you guys are sheep. That's your role is to be a sheep within the fold of God, within the, the, the flock of this great shepherd, Jesus. And so we don't get it because sometimes when we read the Bible, we put ourselves into a different place than the role of the sheep, than the role of being in Jesus's flock. So we're going to talk about why 
a sheep metaphor. Um, I love the way that people have named animals, like groups of animals. There's a pride of lions. That's pretty cool. Herd of cows. A gaggle of geese. I like that one. My favorite, though, is a murder of crows. Look it up. That's the thing. That's the group of crows. But Jesus uses a metaphor of sheep. Sheep are dumb. Sheep need to be led. Sheep are walking around in danger because they can't feed themselves. They can't help themselves. I mean, I grew up on a cattle farm. I have yet to meet an intelligent cow, but Jesus is using this metaphor of the flock of sheep, and I want to figure out why. Why is he doing this? Well, let's illustrate this, but let's oppose it to something. So Jesus uses the metaphor of sheep. Let's oppose it to a school of, of fish. You guys have seen a school of fish. When they move, they're deeply connected. Have you ever seen those videos like on National Geographic where you see a school of fish that's moving? It's like this 3D beautiful pattern where they're moving through the water and the sunlight's reflecting off of them. And it creates almost like a geometry of fish that are moving around inside the water. It's, it's really beautiful and they make it look amazing. But what's happening? What's truly happening in a school of fish? When I looked it up on the internet, which can be trusted for all things concerning this, it says if a fish that is trailing another fish gets too close, the fish that is trailing speeds up. Or conversely, if, if a fish is following another fish and that fish slows down, then the second fish slows down. So what you have happening in a school of fish is they're always reacting to one another. One gets too close, they speed up. They get too far away, they slow down. And so what's happening is they're always, always, at all times, a body of fish is just reacting to one another, pulling back, moving forward, but always a reaction to the fish that's closest to them. And as a result, fish will swim into danger like nobody's business, like all the time. Have you ever seen krill swim into the mouth of a, a whale? Like there's hundreds, if not thousands of fish that all die in that one moment because the, the mouth of a whale is there and they don't see it as danger and they swim into it. Huge numbers of fish die immediately because they're simply swimming in reaction to one another, right? Jesus could have used this figure of speech. He was familiar with fish. He caught fish. There were fish that swam into the nets of the disciples, right? He could have used that, but instead he uses a different figure of speech. He witnessed reactive fish swimming into danger, always reacting to one another. In human terms, psychologists call this codependence, right? You, you have one fish that reacts to another fish, and, and that first fish, is their, their whole outlook on life it depends on the second fish, right? It's just reaction. It's excessive emotional or psychological reliance on another person, how are you doing today? Well, it depends. How are you doing today? Well, I asked you first, how are you doing today? And you see this going back and forth. Fish are codependent. How fast are you going to go? Well, it depends how fast you go, right? I don't know. How fast are you going to go? What direction are you going? I don't know. I'm reacting to you. And so what you have in a school of fish, is a, it's a great metaphor for humans that just interact with each other. But Jesus uses a metaphor of sheep. Why? Because the fundamental difference between a school of fish and a bunch of sheep is the sheep have a head. They have a, a shepherd. School of fish doesn't have a shepherd. They don't have 
a head. They don't have a leader, but these flock, this, these sheep, they have a protector. They have someone who can see the dangers and lead them away from that danger. They have someone who cares for them and guides them where it's safe, the best place to go. They have a shepherd and fish don't. What about you guys? Is it possible that as a church that we can react like a school of fish or live like a school of fish, like we react to one another versus looking at Jesus, our, our rock and our foundation? We change our thoughts because of conversations that we have with someone else within the church, that we react to one another, that we're looking for direction from the person that we're talking with or that's closest to us. Sometimes acting like a school of fish as a church, it causes us to swim into danger, right? Waters of gossip and slander. There's danger there, yet the person that you're close to is going there, so you do, and then they pile on top of that, and it's a reaction upon a reaction, and you end up hating this place just because of this reaction that you've had with the fish that's closest to you. Jesus uses the metaphor of a flock of sheep with a shepherd to describe Redeemer Church. That's what the Bible says about you guys. You and I are a flock. We're together, but we have a head. We have a leader who owns us. We have a leader who can see all the dangers. We have a leader who will and has sacrificed for us. We're not alone here like a school of fish. We have a good shepherd. We have a head. And Psalm 23 uh, talks about what it's like to be a shepherd. It talks about what it's like to be a sheep. In Psalm 23, it says, he leads, he guides, he helps, he makes, and he does this for his sake, for his name's sake. This is why we're here. Redeemer Church isn't like a really good set of sheep, a really good flock. It's that we worship a great shepherd who is to be worthy, is worthy of our praise. He is to be praised. The things that he has done for Redeemer Church is for his name's sake. I have noticed in quite a few conversations lately that, that some of you are unsettled at this time. We're going through a really hard time as a church. You just have to say that. And, and we get unsettled and we, we start to take our cues off of one another versus off of Jesus. And see, Eric and I and Ben and Terry, we're under shepherds. We're elders within this church, but we're not the shepherd, right? And so what that brings is for us to go to the shepherd and, and for us to ask him, like, how do we run this place? How do we do this? How do we move too slowly or how do we move too fast? Because there are people in here that think we're doing both, right? Like, how do we move forward? And we're asking him and we're praying. We have been. But the thing that we're trying to do is to build your guys' trust in this process. We understand that you guys, some of you have questions about the process, and we understand all of that. We want to talk with you. Eric and I both do, and we are. We've got some, some times set up. But the thing that I want for us to see is that Jesus is our great shepherd, and that he cares about Redeemer Church. He loves this place. And as under-shepherds, we're trying to keep and build trust with all of you, but the way we're trying to do that is to hear from the shepherd, to hear from him and to move toward him. We've zoomed in, we've zoomed out, we've talked, we've fasted, we've prayed, but what we want to do is we want to see for you guys that we are not 
crushing it. We're not making every decision perfectly, but what we are doing is asking God to speak to us and move toward us and, and give us humility. And we want to build your guys' trust and move forward at a speed that's settling to those that think we're going too fast and settling to those that think that we're going too slowly. I wanted to, at the very least, address this, but talk with Eric and I further if you would like to talk about this more. But all this to say is that as a church, we need leadership. We need for someone to come in and say, this is the direction I want for Redeemer Church to go. This is the path. The thing that you're thinking of doing is fraught with danger. I want for you to go over here. The thing that you think is right over here may not be. I want for you to listen and move and react to the shepherd. That's what we want for you guys. We have this metaphor, we have this beautiful metaphor that Jesus uses, but in John 10, 6, we see this, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, the flock, the sheep, and they did not understand what he was saying to them. And this happens in times where it's really difficult. It happens in times where we're not exactly sure where this is all going, and the reason that they didn't understand the metaphor back then is because they didn't understand the sheep, and the same thing applies to us today. We don't understand the metaphor. We don't understand what it's like to be part of the flock of Jesus because we don't understand Jesus being our great shepherd. And so as we're here today, I want for us to walk away with a renewed hope in who our great shepherd is, that he speaks, that he guides, that he cares for, that he is protecting this body, this flock. And I want for us to gain peace from the fact that he knows us. He knows us, that we belong to him. And then we gain something called a life abundant from him. So let's look more closely at the fact that Jesus knows his sheep. Verses 3 through 6 of John 10. The sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. They are his sheep. He calls them by name. Yes, sheep are dumb. Every commentary that I ever have looked at this passage, they all agree that sheep are dumb. They need to be led. They need to be fed. They need to be brought to water, that they wander off. They get caught in rocks and crags, and they're not that smart. They have several stories where a sheep is in a wide open field and he dies, right? There's no danger. There's nothing that they can see, but he doesn't lead himself toward water, and he ends up dying. They get bit by snakes. You know that a sheep will die if they don't shear him? His hair will get too heavy, and it will kill the sheep. See, sheep have a special problem. This is from Ken Bailey on his study of the 23rd Psalm. They have no defenses. Cats have teeth, they have claws, and they have speed. Dogs have their teeth and their speed. Horses can kick and bite and run. Bears can claw and bite and crush. Deer can run. But the sheep have no bite or claws and cannot outrun any serious predator. They can butt other sheep. That's a beautiful description of churches. <laughs> but that ability will not protect them from a wolf or a bear. The sheep's only security is the shepherd. Right? We need to be led. We need to be helped. Isaiah 53 says this, 
All we like sheep have done what? Gone astray. This is what sheep do. They go astray. They have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all, talking about our great shepherd. But they are his sheep. We just read that. They're his sheep. Jesus' sheep. It's about the shepherd. It's about him moving toward Redeemer Church to own Redeemer Church. And why would I say that? The term sheep in here, in the Greek, it's always plural. It's always plural. Now, we can look at it individually. Absolutely, we all have a walk with Jesus, and we all have a walk with our great uh, shepherd, but he's talking about it plurally. So think about it in this way. Jesus is speaking to us as a flock, as a church, as Redeemer Church. Redeemer Church hears his voice. He leads Redeemer Church. He goes before Redeemer Church, and Redeemer Church follows him. Redeemer Church recognizes his voice, right? This is how he has put it. It's always plural. But we also know that we are individuals within this plurality of, of sheep, within this flock. And it's so important for you to hear from your shepherd on a regular basis, both individually and corporately. Now, I use this illustration individually, but we can also use it corporately. There are so many places to hear the, the, the voice of your shepherd. Money, sex, your job, uh, lying or not lying, etc., etc. I mean, we can go on as the day is long. But let's say you come here each Sunday as an individual. You come to this flock. And you come with the intent of seeking someone out to encourage them, to pray for them, to read a Bible verse over them, or whatever. And so let's just say that a conversation where you're shepherding someone and you're intently going toward them and moving toward them to encourage them, let's say that takes five minutes. So you probably will get one of those in before the service, maybe two after the service, maybe. So that's three people. There's a lot more than three people that are here today. So let's just talk about the fact that by sheer math, you cannot reach out to every single person that's here today. You just can't, even with the best of intentions and, and all of that. But what you need to do is ask your great shepherd who it is that you should go to today. Right? I'm here. There's all these people that are here. There are 100 and whatever people that are here. Who should I go to? And what do you want me to say to them? How do you want me to pray for them? What is it that you think that your great shepherd, that you want them to hear? That's three people every week that you can reach out to, possibly three, probably more likely like two or one. But it's simple math. You need to hear his voice just in coming into church. This is the bare basics of why we would come here and what we would do when we get here. And it, we need to hear his voice, even with the, the most mundane things of our, of our days, like who it is that you want me to talk with. Who is it that you want me to encourage? And, and put that on a, a, a flock level. Then we're serving Redeemer, or we're serving Cedar, Cedar Rapids, sorry, and we're out there, and there's so many ways that we can, as a body, serve Cedar Rapids, but we need to ask our shepherd, who is it that you want us to serve? How do you want us to serve them? What do you want us to do? And we follow his leading. So if he says, move and go and do this, then as a flock, we move and we go and we do that. But if he says, stop, we need to stop. 
right? Because he sees, he knows. We follow his leading. Why would we follow his leading? Why would we follow the shepherd? Because he owns us. 1 Corinthians 6.20, you, Redeemer Church, were bought with a price. So glorify God in this body, Redeemer Church. The fact that Jesus would even become our great shepherd is so significant. Sometimes we gloss over this. If Jesus doesn't become our shepherd, then you're not part of the flock. We need to remind ourselves of this. If Jesus is not our great shepherd, then Redeemer Church is not part of the flock. We're not saved. But he did become our great shepherd. Zechariah 9 says, On that day the Lord their God will save them as the flock of his people, for like the jewels of a crown they shall shine on his head. That God, for his name's sake, for his, his beauty, his reputation, his power, and his fame, he has gone to us to save us, to become our shepherd, and he has saved us like a shepherd, like a flock of his people. The shepherd became our shepherd at the cross. And this was not to destroy us. It was not to move us into a place where we don't trust him. That's where when you go, when Redeemer Church comes upon hard times, that's when it becomes really hard to not believe these lies about our great shepherd. What lies have you, have you bought about your great shepherd? That he is not good? Have you bought that lie ever? Or that he's leading us into danger as a church? Have you bought that lie? Or that this passage is more about us than it is Jesus, our great shepherd? Have you bought that lie? See, Jesus will lead us into brambles, but you need to understand the average height of a, of a sheep is about 38 inches. That's probably about that tall, maybe a little bit taller. 38 inches is the average height of a sheep. He's not seeing above the brambles. He's not seeing above the bushes that have thorns in them. He's not seeing above the crags and the rocks. He can't see above and past the river that is in front of him. But Jesus does. Sheep can't see ahead, but the shepherd can see ahead. He knows the dangers. He can weigh them. He can see where the flock needs to go, and he leads his sheep there. And even though there's brambles and bushes filled with thorns, that he will lead and guide his sheep through there. There's a popular myth that I was discovering on the internet, and I think I had heard this a while ago, but it, it just kind of brought it back up. A popular myth from the time of when there were shepherds and there were sheep in ancient biblical times of Israel would have us believe that shepherds broke the leg of a sheep who wanders. They would say that, oh, you wandered off, so I'm going to snap your leg. While the leg is healing, it's said that the sheep would become endeared to the shepherd as he nurtures them back to health, carrying the disabled sheep close to his heart. In reality, it's really highly impractical that a shepherd would break the leg of a sheep. It's counterproductive and all of that. This shepherd then has to carry the sheep everywhere while it's healing. And what if he has to go and save another sheep? He doesn't have the ability to do that. Not to mention these sheep can weigh up to 75 pounds. So even carrying one disabled sheep, it just doesn't make sense. And when you look at the great shepherd's character and his personality, he's not out snapping legs. He's out protecting us. He's out leading us. He's guiding us even through really difficult times. So Jesus became the shepherd of his flock 
of which Redeemer is a part, and he takes ownership of his people. He takes ownership of Redeemer Church. He leads us. He goes before his flock, and his flock follows him. We recognize his voice, but we, like the first hearers of this metaphor, we don't get it. We don't get the metaphor because we don't get Jesus. We don't understand fully the metaphor because we don't understand fully the character of the great shepherd. But let's continue reading and subjecting ourselves to this truth. The next truth is Redeemer Church is known by the great shepherd Jesus. John 10, 14 through 15, I am the good shepherd, I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. This is crazy that Jesus would use this type of language. I know my own as the Father knows me. I know my own. I, I looked up definitions. It's to know, to know about. Yeah, that makes sense. To have knowledge of, to be acquainted with, with a degree of thoroughness or competence, okay? So in the Old Testament, it ups the ante. When you read uh, these passages in the Old Testament, like Adam knew his wife and she bore him a son. It takes on a, a different level of being acquainted with, right? And what the, the author of, of the Bible, and Moses in that case, is trying to let us know is there's a way of biblically knowing someone. And it's, it goes beyond just a, a, an understanding of them. It's an experiencing of them. And so Jesus experiences us in the same way that Jesus experiences his Father in heaven. Guys, this is a deep experiential knowledge from before the beginning of time, which has full integrity. There is no shifting shadow, no darkness in our relationship with Jesus. He knows everything. He has amazing insight into Redeemer Church. And this is how he knows us. This is how he knows Redeemer Church. It's so far above and beyond carnal knowledge, and that's what people would think when they read that Old Testament passage, it's just carnal knowledge. This, this is, goes beyond that, that Jesus knows us deeply. I would illustrate this with my relationship with my wife, Lori, but the parental rate, guidance rating would go way up and change significantly, and there'd be a ton of blushing, not from me, but from you guys. But I do know this. My seven-year-old is loud. She's really, really noisy. So we're in Target and this girl, her voice will cut through the din of, of an entire store. So I was in Target with my family, divided to conquer. I went and got some stuff, and I was going to meet back up with them, and I couldn't find them. And then I hear my daughter's voice cutting through everything, and I knew 30 seconds later I, I found them. For Jesus to say this, I know you guys the way the Father knows me. It's so much deeper. Every metaphor that we have that points to that, it just fails. He knows us deeply. We, see, we live in a, a place where we don't know each other deeply. We think we do and, and all of that, but it, it, it's just reminiscent of Genesis 3, where when the first sin happened, what did they do? They started to cover themselves up. They used fig leaves to cover up their nakedness fig leaves so that they wouldn't see the real each other. And we use fig leaves so that you guys would not see each other as well. Clothes are fig leaves, right? Like if we were truly 
biblical, <laughs> before sin entered the world, we'd walk around naked. We just would. I mean, entire whatever thoughts have been started on this, communes and that type of thing. And there are some people here that are really glad that I'm wearing clothes right now. And the same with some of you. But the point is this. We, we clothe ourselves so that we don't see the real us, so that we don't know the real us. Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, they're all fig leaves. I let out just a little bit so that you guys can see just a part of me. It's not knowing everything. I mean, we, we celebrate hashtag no filter. Really, though? Do we? Like, when you're at home and you're trying to start your lawnmower and it won't start, and you're pounding on the thing, and you're cursing, and you're kicking it, and then the dog comes by, and you kick the dog. I'm not saying this is me. I'm just saying that, do we really want everyone else to see that? We really celebrate no filter? Next time someone asks you how you're doing here on a Sunday morning, I want to do something really cool. I want you to tell them exactly how you're doing, and see how they check their watch, or they're like, oh, Oh, my phone's ringing. I got to take this call and their phone's off, right? Watch how many times they check their watch or fake a phone call. This is not how it is with Jesus. This is the exact opposite. Luke 12, the hairs of your head are numbered. Jesus knows the words that are going to come out of your mouth before they come out, according to Matthew 6. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. This is the relationship. Jesus knows us as the Father knows him. If you don't come to this significant insight that God knows you with everything, you won't be a Christian because you will not understand the gospel until you understand that Jesus knows everything about you and still accepts you and does, goes beyond that, that he lays down his life for you. If you think that you are saved by cleaning yourself up, you don't get the metaphor. You don't get the gospel where Jesus says, I know my sheep as the Father knows me. By you not telling Jesus the whole story because you think he's going to judge you or check his watch or fake a phone call, that's, you don't understand the gospel. That somehow grace plus anything that will make you more agreeable and more likable and lovable to Jesus, that's not the gospel. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, that this great shepherd comes to us not because of anything we've done or not done, but because unmerited love, unmerited favor. He moves toward us because of grace. I um, asked a couple of people to uh, illustrate some of these points I uh, reached out to members of Redeemer Church. And this illustration I, came back to me, and I would have never used this, but it's a beautiful illustration to talk about the love that Jesus has for us, for Redeemer Church. So hear this, your shepherd talking to us as a church when I read these words. This is a poem by E.E. E. Cummings. I carry your heart with me. I carry it in my heart. I am never without it. Anywhere I go, you go, my dear. And whatever is done by only me is also your doing, my darling. I fear no fate, 
For you are my fate, my sweet. I want no world, for beautiful you are my world, my true. And it's you who are forever a moon, has always met, and whatever a sun always sing, it's you. Here is the deepest secret that nobody knows. Here's the root of the root, the bud of the bud, the sky of the sky, which grows higher than soul can hope or mind can hide. This is the wonder that keeps the stars apart. Want to hear it? I carry you. I carry you in my heart. Simply put, Jesus is bound to Redeemer Church in the same way that he is bound to his Father in heaven. He can no more lose Redeemer Church or any individual in Redeemer Church than being lost and he can lose his father. Are you starting to understand this metaphor that Jesus is putting forth as sheep and he is our great shepherd? Are you starting to understand his love for you, for us, for me? Jesus also shepherds for abundant life. Why is the great shepherd gathering us here today? Why is he gathering Redeemer Church? Why is he talking to us? Ken Bailey, again from his book on Psalm 23, he writes this, Within sound and sight of water, they, the sheep, would all begin to run toward it. Okay, He's talking about sheep in Psalm 23 again. And, and they hear water, rushing water, and they run toward it, showing that they're very thirsty. Yet when these sheep arrive, as I watch them, only a few would even start drinking, while others would go along the edge of the water like pedestrians on a fashionable street in a great metropolis. They keep, kept passing each other up and down the stream. I learned the valuable lesson that sheep do not drink from rippling waters. They continue until every last one of them had found a quiet little pool between stones showing up above the ripples. No turbid streams or uffled riv rivulets will tempt them. They want waters that move quietly. Your great shepherd is moving Redeemer Church towards still waters. He makes them sometimes lie down. He makes them, uh, figure that one out, as your shepherd is making us go into green pastures. He brings them to waters that are still. This is life abundant for Redeemer Church, that we are in the presence of our shepherd in a place where everything is being taken care of for us. Still waters where we are being fed, where we are being taken care of, where we are safe. This is what he's moving us toward. Jesus in John 10.10 10 says, I came that they might have life and have it abundant. That's why he's shepherding. It's why he's gathering us here. He's gathering Redeemer Church so that we may have life and have it abundant. He's gathering Redeemer Church to hear his voice in his presence. He's gathering Redeemer Church to call us by name in his presence. He's gathering Redeemer Church here today to lead us. He's gathering us here today to go before us. He's gathering us today so that we will follow him. He's gathering us, why? Because we know his voice. He's gathering us because he uh, wants us to flee from strangers so that we would understand and know his voice so much so that when we don't hear it, we run. He's gathering us to lay down his life 
for us today. He's gathering Redeemer Church to show us how much he knows us here this morning. We bring this and we come together. Jesus wants us to have life and to have it abundant. This next part was spoken over me uh, several months ago, and it was so encouraging for me individually, but as I was prepping for this sermon, I realized this is not just for me. This is for Redeemer Church. This is a word that's over us as a church. Receive this as, as a church. As I prayed for you, I saw a path, and the words that came to my mind were just focus on moving forward on the path that is set before you. It wasn't set as a command as much as freedom to let go of focusing on anything else and an encouragement to keep going. As my eyes focused on the path, it was like I was moving down it. Gradually, the path became wider and it became more and more filled with light. But I also felt that God showed me it wasn't straight, it was winding. But the most beautiful part was that it wasn't just some awful path that God found and set Redeemer Church on. No, this path was made by the footsteps of our Father, of our Shepherd. Like long grass bent over, you can see in places the imprints of the steps of someone who had gone on just before you. Not only did he create the path with you in mind to follow, but he knows how it feels to walk each step. This is our shepherd over us. He's leading us. He is creating the path for us to walk down. He has walked down that path before us. It's his footsteps. It's his imprints in the grass that we are following right now as Redeemer Church. I want for us to get the metaphor because I want for us to get Jesus. I want for us to see his His beautiful leading during this time. I want you to see his uh, speaking to us during this time and hear it. I want you to know he's gathering us so that we hear the metaphor and we start to understand it even more because we understand the shepherd. I'm going to ask the response teams to come forward. And this point in our time together is really significant. It's, it's a time called communion. It's communion. It's time together with your shepherd. It's you going to your shepherd and communing with him. The fact that he would say that I and the Father are one, we see that theologically. We see how he is bound to his Father. We see how they are of the same nature. In this moment of communion, I want for Redeemer Church to see that you are known by Jesus like that. Like that. That somehow Jesus unites us with him in such a way that when God the Father sees us, he sees Jesus and that we are united with him and that he knows us. So this time of communion, it's bread in the cup. We take it in. It, it goes from external to internal. Just like I want this truth of who Jesus is as our great shepherd to go from external to internal. Jesus said that he knows us just as the Father knows him. So think on that as you're taking communion today. 1 Corinthians 6, 10, 16 says this about communion. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? I want for us to participate with our shepherd today. 
You know his voice. What is he saying to you here today, Redeemer Church? It also says in 1 Corinthians 11 to examine yourself as you're taking this. So maybe that means confessing sin. Maybe it means finding someone to encourage. Maybe it means going to someone that you've needed to go to for a while. Maybe it means be more teachable. Maybe it means follow and obey him. His voice will tell you. His voice will move. His leading will help. But he, the Apostle Paul says to take this time to examine yourself before you take communion, before you take the bread and before you take the cup and before you commune with your shepherd. So I'm going to um, take a moment and I'm going to read some scripture over you and pray for you before we take communion. So let's pray and I'll read this over you. There is there, therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For what God has done, what the law weakened by the flesh could not do, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law, Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Father, would you send that spirit here? Would he make much about the words and the leading and the guiding and the voice of the great shepherd right here among us? Would you help us to take communion in such a way that we are communing deeply with our shepherd the way, Lord, that you commune with him? I ask God that you would move in our hearts, help us to move toward him in such a way that brings glory to him by examining ourselves. I ask God that you would empower us with your spirit, that you would pray for us through your spirit, that you would help us as we are weak and, sh and, and sheep in this metaphor. We love you, we praise you, we ask God for your help all these things we ask through the name of our great shepherd, Jesus. Amen.